Section thirty three of Rights of Man by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Edward Kirkby, Warwick, England. Part second, Chapter five Ways and Means of Improving the Condition of Europe. Part five of seven. Taking the present current expenses at seven millions and a half, which is the least amount they are now at, there will remain, after the sum of one million and a half be taken for the new current expenses, and four millions for the before-mentioned service, the sum of two millions, part of which to be applied as follows. Though fleets and armies, by an alliance with France, will, in a great measure, become useless, yet the persons who have devoted themselves to those services, and have thereby unfitted themselves for other lines of life, are not to be sufferers by the means that make others happy. They are a different description of men from those who form or hang about a court. A part of the army will remain, at least for some years, and also of the navy, for which a provision is already made in the former part of this plan of one million, which is almost half a million more than the peace establishment of the army and navy in the prodigal times of Charles the Second. Suppose, then, 15,000 soldiers to be disbanded, and that an allowance be made to each of three shillings a week during life clear of all deductions, to be paid in the same manner as the Chelsea College pensioners are paid, and for them to return to their trades and their friends, and also that an addition of 15,000 sixpences per week be made to the pay of the soldiers who shall remain. The annual expenses will be to the pay of 15,000 disbanded soldiers at three shillings per week, £117,000. Additional pay to the remaining soldiers, 19,500. Suppose that the pay to the officers of the disbanded corps be the same amount as sum allowed to the men, 117,000. Total, 253,500 pounds. To prevent bulky estimations, admit the same sum to the disbanded navy as to the army, and the same increase of pay, two hundred and fifty three thousand five hundred total five hundred and seven thousand pounds every year some part of this sum of half a million i omit the odd seven thousand pounds for the purpose of keeping the account unembarrassed will fall in and the whole of it in time as it is on the ground of life annuities except the increased pay of twenty nine thousand pounds as it falls in part of the taxes may be taken off and as for instance when thirty thousand pounds fall in the duty on hops may be wholly taken off and as other parts fall in the duties on candles and soap may be lessened till at last they will totally cease there now remains at least one million and a half of surplus taxes the tax on houses and windows is one of those direct taxes which, like the poor rates, is not confounded with trade, and when taken off the relief will be instantly felt. This tax falls heavy on the middle class of people. The amount of this tax, by the returns of 1788, was Houses and windows, by the Act of 1766, 
three hundred and eighty five thousand four hundred and fifty nine pounds eleven shillings and seven pence by the act b seventeen seventy nine one hundred and thirty thousand seven hundred and thirty nine pounds fourteen shillings and five and a half pence total five hundred and sixteen thousand one hundred and ninety nine pounds six shillings and a half pence if this tax be struck off there will then remain about one million of surplus taxes and as it is always proper to keep a sum in reserve for incidental matters it may be best not to extend reductions further in the first instance but to consider what may be accomplished by other modes of reform among the taxes most heavily felt is the commutation tax i shall therefore offer a plan for its abolition by substituting another in its place which will effect three objects at once one that of removing the burthen to where it can best be borne two restoring justice among families by a distribution of property three extirpating the overgrown influence arising from the unnatural law of primogeniture which is one of the principal sources of corruption at elections the amount of commutation tax by the returns of seventeen eighty eight was seven hundred and seventy one thousand six hundred and fifty seven pounds when taxes are proposed the country is amused by the plausible language of taxing luxuries one thing is called a luxury at one time and something else at another but the real luxury does not consist in the article but in the means of procuring it and this is always kept out of sight i know not why any plant or herb of the field should be a greater luxury in one country than another but an overgrown estate in either is a luxury at all times and as such is the proper object of taxation it is therefore right to take those kind tax-making gentlemen up on their own word and argue on the principle themselves have laid down that of taxing luxuries if they or their champion mr burke who i fear is growing out of date like the man in armour can prove that an estate of twenty thirty or forty thousand pounds a year is not a luxury i will give up the argument admitting that any annual sum say for instance one thousand pounds is necessary or sufficient for the support of a family consequently the second thousand is of the nature of a luxury the third still more so and by proceeding on we shall at last arrive at a sum that may not improperly be called a prohibitable luxury it would be impolitic to set bounds to property acquired by industry and therefore it is right to place the prohibition beyond the probable acquisition to which industry can extend but there ought to be a limit to property or the accumulation of it by bequest it should pass in some other line the richest in every nation have poor relations and those often very near in consanguinity the following table of progressive taxation is constructed on the above principles and as a substitute for the commutation tax it will reach the point of prohibition by a regular operation and thereby supersede the aristocratical law of primogeniture table one 
a tax on all estates of the clear yearly value of fifty pounds after deducting the land tax and up to five hundred pounds three pence per pound from five hundred pounds to one thousand pounds six pence on the second thousand nine pence on the third one shilling on the fourth one shilling and sixpence on the fifth two shillings on the sixth three shillings on the seventh four shillings on the eighth five shillings on the ninth six shillings per pound on the tenth seven shillings on the eleventh eight shillings on the twelfth nine shillings on the thirteenth ten shillings on the fourteenth eleven shillings on the fifteenth twelve shillings on the sixteenth thirteen shillings on the seventeenth fourteen shillings on the eighteenth fifteen shillings on the nineteenth sixteen shillings on the twentieth seventeen shillings on the twenty-first eighteen shillings on the twenty-second nineteen shillings on the twenty-third twenty shillings the foregoing table shows the progression per pound on every progressive thousand the following table shows the amount of the tax on every thousand separately and in the last column the total amount of all the separate sums collected an estate of fifty pounds per annum at three pence per pound pays twelve shillings and sixpence one hundred one pounds five shillings two hundred two pounds ten shillings three hundred three pounds fifteen shillings four hundred five pounds five hundred seven pounds five shillings after five hundred pounds the tax of six pence per pound takes place on the second five hundred pounds consequently an estate of one thousand pounds per annum pays twenty one pounds fifteen shillings and so on for the first five hundred pounds at three pence per pound seven pounds five shillings second five hundred at six pence per pound fourteen pounds ten shillings total amount twenty one pounds fifteen shillings second one thousand at nine pence per pound thirty seven pounds eleven shillings total amount fifty nine pounds five shillings third one thousand at one shilling per pound fifty pounds total amount one hundred nine pounds five shillings fourth one thousand at one shilling and sixpence per pound seventy five pounds total amount one hundred and eighty four pounds five shillings fifth one thousand at two shillings per pound one hundred pounds total amount two hundred and eighty four pounds five shillings sixth one thousand at three shillings per pound one hundred and fifty pounds total amount four hundred and thirty four pounds five shillings seventh one thousand at four shillings per pound two hundred pounds total amount six hundred and thirty four pounds five shillings eighth one thousand at five shillings per pound two hundred and fifty pounds total amount eight hundred and eighty pounds five shillings ninth one thousand at six shillings per pound three hundred pounds total amount eleven hundred pounds and five shillings tenth one thousand at seven shillings per pound three hundred and fifty pounds total amount one thousand five hundred and thirty pounds and five shillings eleventh one thousand at eight shillings per pound four hundred pounds 
total amount one thousand nine hundred thirty pounds and five shillings twelfth one thousand at nine shillings per pound four hundred and fifty total amount two thousand three hundred and eighty pounds and five shillings thirteenth one thousand at ten shillings per pound five hundred total amount two thousand eight hundred and eighty pounds and five shillings fourteenth one thousand at eleven shillings per pound five hundred and fifty total amount three thousand four hundred and thirty pounds and five shillings fifteenth one thousand at twelve shillings per pound six hundred pounds total amount four thousand and thirty pounds and five shillings sixteenth one thousand at thirteen shillings per pound six hundred and fifty total amount four thousand six hundred and eighty pounds and five shillings seventeenth one thousand at fourteen shillings per pound seven hundred total amount five thousand three hundred and eighty pounds and five shillings eighteenth one thousand at fifteen shillings per pound seven hundred and fifty total amount six thousand one hundred and thirty pounds and five shillings nineteenth one thousand at sixteen shillings per pound eight hundred total amount six thousand nine hundred and thirty pounds and five shillings twentieth one thousand at seventeen shillings per pound eight hundred and fifty total amount seven thousand seven hundred and eighty pounds and five shillings twenty-first one thousand at eighteen shillings per pound nine hundred total amount eight thousand six hundred and eighty pounds and five shillings twenty-second one thousand at nineteen shillings per pound nine hundred and fifty pounds total amount nine thousand six hundred and thirty pounds and five shillings twenty-third one thousand at twenty shillings per pound one thousand total amount ten thousand six hundred and thirty pounds and five shillings at the twenty-third thousand the tax becomes twenty shillings in the pound and consequently every thousand beyond that sum can produce no profit but by dividing the estate yet formidable as this tax appears it will not i believe produce so much as the commutation tax should it produce more it ought to be lowered to that amount upon estates under two or three thousand a year on small and middling estates it is lighter as it is intended to be than the commutation tax it is not till after seven or eight thousand a year that it begins to be heavy the object is not so much the produce of the tax as the justice of the measure the aristocracy has screened itself too much and this serves to restore a part of the lost equilibrium as an instance of its screening itself it is only necessary to look back to the first establishment of the excise laws at what is called the restoration or the coming of charles the second the aristocratical interest then in power commuted the feudal services itself was under by laying a tax on beer brewed for sale that is they compounded with charles for an exemption from those services for themselves and their heirs by a tax to be paid by other people the aristocracy do not purchase beer brewed for sale but brew their own beer free of the duty and if any commutation at that time were necessary it ought to have been at the expense of those for whom the exemptions from those services were intended 
instead of which it was thrown on an entirely different class of men but the chief object of this progressive tax besides the justice of rendering taxes more equal than they are is as already stated to extirpate the overgrown influence arising from the unnatural law of primogeniture and which is one of the principal sources of corruption at elections it would be attended with no good consequences to inquire how such vast estates as thirty forty or fifty thousand a year could commence and that at a time when commerce and manufacturers were not in a state to admit of such acquisitions let it be sufficient to remedy the evil by putting them in a condition of descending again to the community by the quiet means of apportioning them among all the heirs and heiresses of those families this will be more necessary because hitherto the aristocracy have quartered their younger children and connections upon the public in useless posts places and offices which when abolished will leave them destitute unless the law of primogeniture be also abolished or superseded a progressive tax will in a great measure affect this object and that as a matter of interest to the parties most immediately concerned as will be seen by the following table which shows the net produce upon every estate after subtracting the tax by this it will appear that after an estate exceeds thirteen or fourteen thousand a year the remainder produces but little profit to the holder and consequently will pass either to the younger children or to other kindred table three showing the net produce of every estate from one thousand to twenty three thousand pounds a year number of thousand per annum one thousand pounds total tax subtracted twenty one pounds net produce nine hundred and seventy nine pounds two thousand fifty nine one thousand nine hundred and forty one three thousand one hundred and nine two thousand eight hundred and ninety one four thousand one hundred and eighty four three thousand eight hundred and sixteen five thousand two hundred and eighty four four thousand seven hundred and sixteen six thousand four hundred and thirty four five thousand five hundred and sixty six seven thousand six hundred and thirty four six thousand three hundred and sixty six eight thousand eight hundred and eighty seven thousand one hundred and twenty nine thousand eleven hundred seven thousand nine hundred ten thousand one thousand five hundred and thirty eight thousand four hundred and seventy eleven thousand one thousand nine hundred and thirty nine thousand and seventy twelve thousand two thousand three hundred and eighty nine thousand six hundred and twenty thirteen thousand two thousand eight hundred and eighty ten thousand one hundred and twenty number of thousand per annum fourteen thousand total tax subtracted three thousand four hundred and thirty net produce ten thousand five hundred and seventy fifteen thousand four thousand and thirty ten thousand nine hundred and seventy sixteen thousand four thousand six hundred and eighty eleven thousand three hundred and twenty seventeen thousand five thousand three hundred and eighty eleven thousand six hundred and twenty eighteen thousand six thousand one hundred and thirty 
11,870, 19,000, 6,930, 12,170, 20,000, 7,780, 12,220, 21,000, 8,680, 12,320, 22,930, 12,370, 23,000, 10,630, 12,370. The odd shillings are dropped in this table. According to this table, an estate cannot produce more than £12,370 clear of the land tax and the progressive tax, and therefore the dividing such estates will follow as a matter of family interest. An estate of £23,000 a year, divided into five estates of 4000 each, and one of three, will be charged only £1,129, which is but 5%, but if held by one possessor, will be charged £10,630. Although an inquiry into the origin of those estates be unnecessary, the continuation of them in their present state is another subject. It is a matter of national concern. As hereditary estates, the law has created the evil, and it ought also to provide the remedy. Primogeniture ought to be abolished, not only because it is unnatural and unjust, but because the country suffers by its operation. By cutting off, as before observed, the younger children from their proper portion of inheritance, the public is loaded with the expense of maintaining them, and the freedom of elections violated by the overbearing influence which this unjust monopoly of family property produces. Nor is this all. It occasions a waste of national property. A considerable part of the land of the country is rendered unproductive by the great extent of parks and chases which this law serves to keep up, and this at a time when the annual production of grain is not equal to the national consumption. In short, the evils of the aristocratical system are so great and numerous, so inconsistent with everything that is just, wise, natural, and beneficent, that when they are considered, there ought not to be a doubt that many who are now classed under that description will wish to see such a system abolished. What pleasure can they derive from contemplating the exposed condition and almost certain beggary of their younger offspring? Every aristocratical family has an appendage of family beggars hanging round it, which in a few ages or a few generations are shook off and console themselves with telling their tale in almshouses, workhouses, and prisons. This is the natural consequence of aristocracy. The peer and the beggar are often of the same family. One extreme produces the other. To make one rich, many must be made poor. Neither can the system be supported by other means. End of Part Second Chapter Five Ways and Means of Improving the Condition of Europe Part 5 of 7 Read by Edward Kirkby, Warwick, England